Famcast Media. Bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, persons of all ages, welcome to the most exclusive group in the wrestling community. And now, your host, Bertrand. Hey, what's going on, man? How are you today? <laughs> Hanging in there and just put the dog down for, you know, I got a, a five-month-year-old, uh, five-month-year-old, five-month uh, new dog, so I'm getting it, you know, um, put him down kind of relatively in his little area for when he usually goes down before I go to work and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, um, I got you. Uh, you know, you got to keep these things on schedule as best you can. Yeah, appreciate it, appreciate it. I mean, I'm so happy to have you here. So, uh, mi gente, welcome to Must Love Wrestling. We have a guest of honor today, the king of old school pro wrestling himself, Mr. Phoenix. Um, so we've corresponded a couple uh, times on TikTok, and that's actually how we met. We seem to really enjoy each other's content, and uh, we decided to jump on here and talk about wrestling here. So uh, thank you so much for joining the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being on here. You know, it gives us a chance to kind of vibe with uh, out the confines of 59 seconds or whatever it yeah. is now, you know, because um, I know we had a back and forth about, you know, a few things, which is always um, good. You know, um, yeah, you know, talk can be a little crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Whenever it's you definitely ride, been. Yeah. Hold on to them. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely one of those um, things where we get, you know, uh, it gets a little heated on Wrestle Talk, but obviously there's lots of opinions that happen, and you know, we want to make sure that everybody, everybody knows we're just trying to be as respectful as possible. But you and I have always kind of had a respectful nature towards each other right from the get go. I think we both right. appreciate each other's uh, wrestling um, knowledge and things like that. So I mean, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to have you in the show. So before we get started, why don't you uh, tell us what professional wrestling means to you, and you know why why it's such a big deal to you? Well, I um I remember getting into it um back in the day. I think it was about '87 ish. My yeah. dad um was recording uh Mania Macho versus Hogan. Back oh, okay, yeah. We couldn't afford that shit. Um, <laughs> even with the money, he was making pretty good money. He worked for a Bell Atlantic. I went mm -hmm. to Catholic school, but I lived, you know, Northeast Philly, you know, a, a jump and a hop step away from the hood. So he was recording Mania, and that's when I kind of started to get into it. I was comparing and contrasting, getting it where I could. It mm -hmm. was almost kind of, I want to make a comparison to anime, how it was back in the day. Yeah. Like, uh, my best friend was like, yo, we could only get it from like West Coast video randomly here and there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's how I kind of got into wrestling. I was like, OK, this is Flair. He's the champion over here and mm -hmm. Hogan's a champion over there. And I was kind of yeah. comparing and contrasting um, WCW slash NWA. I got I got my Luger shirt on. Yeah, um, love it. Love the total yeah, package. I, yeah. Well, him um, when he was a U.S. champion is like that. that that's my guy. Yeah. Um, even though he. He kind of uh, didn't do as much as people prognosticated he might do. But yeah. around that time, that's when I got like when him and Sting and the Snyders and stuff. And I noticed that wrestling was more serious and yes. WWE was more, you know, Hogan Sports Entertainment. But they had flashes like Macho and, and Steamboat and DiBiase. So I think yes. I started to get into it around then. Um, and that mania that he uh, taped that I was able to kind of watch it more and more. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that we have such a great uh, uh, upbringing because I, I too, my my opening to professional wrestling was WCW and NWA. That's kind of how it was. Like my dad was a, he was one of those old school guys who was like a body guy. He loved Lex Luger. That was like his thing. Like, you know, uh, I, I grew up with Lex Luger and like Harley Race and Sting and Ric Flair, the Steiners. I mean, those are those are some of my favorite wrestlers ever, man. I mean. Absolutely yeah. love that. Uh, I didn't really watch WWF until Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect. That was my that was my introduction to WWF. Oh, That's a great way to get in because you know Perfect was my guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's in my top ten all time. I'm sure you saw the video of me posting. I, I I mentioned on there that nobody wants to talk about Mr. Perfect, which is so strange to me. He was so ahead of his time uh, when I first started doing this podcast. I did this. Um, my favorite wrestlers to never win a world championship and uh, Owen Hart, Mr. Perfect and Scott Hall are the three guys I mentioned that I wish were, you know, world champions in their respective companies, but they obviously never got that opportunity. Uh, I love that. I love that. I, I like to tell people that I, I'm, I'm definitely lucky because my first wrestling match I ever saw was Sting versus Ric Flair, their 45 minute draw. That's the first match I ever saw. That's a great way and to come in. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was it. Sting was it. I mean, up until that point, my superhero, obviously, like growing up when I did, I, I was there. I, I, I can say I'm lucky enough to have been. I was at the movie theater to watch the original Batman in 1989. So Likewise. that was exciting. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I, I, for me, Michael Jordan was my superhero. Like, it, that was it. Like, I didn't really have a professional wrestler. Like, I love Michael Jordan so much. My daughter's name is Jordan, bro. <laughs> like, nice. Nice. I love, yeah, he is my guy. Um, that That's kind of always been that. I'm a Bulls fan for life, if they stink. But when I found Sting, I kind of, he, he changed everything for me. I've had heroes since then, you know, like uh, Tommy Oliver and things like that. But, you know, as for professional wrestling, it's always been Sting. He's always going to be my favorite. But, uh, yeah, you said you wanted to talk a little bit about Sting and The Undertaker. So uh, before we get into, like, today's wrestling, why don't we just touch on some of these Sting and Taker moments that we really enjoy. So wh what does Undertaker mean to you? Well, funny thing that you should say that. Um, coming up, Warrior, I think was – you know, I, I, I guess I can say hero because it was like Warrior that really got me. Because I was just going along with how they um, presented it. Like as a mm -hmm. kid, I'm supposed to be with a, a hawk, even though my instincts were saying Macho is probably a yeah. little bit more real. Um, so it's funny as you get older how things change. Like mm -hmm. with Brett, I didn't have, really have an appreciation because he had a submission for a finisher. So yeah. as I got older, I watched stuff back and I was like, damn, Brett Hart was, was kind of the shit. Yeah. <laughs> He definitely so, was. Warrior was like, I think, because I was such a comic book fan too. Yeah. Like the, even to this day, like his attire, how it was airbrushed, and you know, in the 90s and stuff like that. Like, I can yeah. tell, I was like, this guy customizes all his stuff. He, even um, my grandfather, we would be watching Superstars and stuff, and he was like, mm. wow, he knocked that dude out. Like, he needs some stuff. Yeah. So, like, when, pe when it vibes with people who are not wrestling fans, so. Q Taker because I was all with Warrior. Warrior beat Hogan, which er everybody at the schoolyard. I remember, you know, once again, like I was good, blessed to go to these Catholic schools, but I didn't have like, you know, money where I got WWF magazine and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm sure, as you know, with like at any school, there was kids that came in. Um, it was a guy. I think his name was Mike. Um, he was a big Warrior fan, and when he won, yeah. he came with the um the chalk line. The, uh, yeah. And yeah. of course, I wanted to. It's funny because you mentioned Jordan, and I wanted the Jordan airbrush one where it had like you know how they had the um where him Duncan where it was like the Bulls, it was like a bull, and it was like him Duncan, and they had I think it was Barkley and a few other ones, and I was like, those, yeah, those chalk lines are so cool. So he came in yeah. and uh, Warrior had won, and I was like, I think I can get with this guy. And then yeah, they introduced Taker, and I I never forget that was the first time as a fan I was like devastated because I used to wait on Saturday mornings to watch superstars and they did the yeah. whole thing. He uh, smashed them with the urn and put them in the casket. And I was like, yo, he's going to kill him. Like somebody get, <laughs> he had the guys trying to drill holes in it and all that stuff. So ironically, that was my entrance in, uh, I guess, window to taker. And I initially hated him. I was like, warrior beat his ass, but that didn't happen. And as time goes on and he, they kind of evolved them. I, I kind of grew to him more and more and more. And I was just like, okay, maybe I can get with this. Maybe I can get into it. And just the way they told the story and the way they presented him was so different. 
You know what I mean? Like, in a way, him and Warrior were kind of similar, only because, you know, Warrior was supposed to be, like, not impervious to pain, but, like, wild animal, kind of, like, going some supercharged Conan the Barbarian shit, you know? And Taker was, like, slow, like a zombie, like, you know, initially early Taker. But he just, you know, kind of stood the test of time. And, um, you know, from there, I kind of got on board, and it was just, like, they're really... This is like a character, just like um, Warrior was. You know what I mean? They would put him uh, in stories, and the way they told the stories, they were really dedicated to being true to the character. So that's kind of where I got on board, and um, I, you know, stayed with him ever since. I think we lost it for a little bit. Sorry about the technical difficulty. I don't know what happened. But uh, yeah, getting back to that, I, I don't know how much you heard of that or if I just cut out completely, but I remember when Hogan was putting himself over instead of putting Ultimate Warrior over. I think that was kind of like the big sign for me is like, I don't like Hogan. When he was talking about how when Ultimate Warrior won the World Heavyweight Championship, instead of everybody watching Warrior and praising, like being like, yes, the Ultimate Warrior is a champion. It's like, everybody's watching me leave. Dude, that's when we made a mistake. I was like... Even as a young boy, I thought to myself, that's a really strange thing. You're supposed to be putting over the next guy, and you know, right. it just didn't make sense to me. But right. yeah. Um, so like, yeah, well, what what was it about The Undertaker so much that like just spoke to you? Like that was like, you know, I think this is gonna be the guy I rock with for like the next 20 years. Well, you know what? There was I think for me there's a change in me <laughs> as I look as a kid. Because I was yeah. like a, a big, um, in the comics, big Superman kid. But as yeah. I got older, you mentioned um, Batman 89. Yeah. I was fascinated with that. I think I always tell people because I'm a huge Batman fan. And mm -hmm. I like darker characters like Vampire yeah. Hunter D and those type of characters. It's a, yeah. almost kind of like a, a model in my head. And I think Keaton and I dare, dare I say the Crow. That was the next yeah. kid. Like I'm a Crow fanatic. Like, um, yeah. And the way, you know, uh, God rest his soul, Brandon played that was, like, phenomenal. 100%. Um, so 100%. Again, I, I feel like we're blessed to have seen these things, like the, the two MJs, Prince, yeah. and all these different things. But I'm trying not to go. Absolutely. You know? um, but, yeah, I, I, I feel like that was kind of almost like the transition, like the kind of, like, supernatural with darker characters. And yes. he kind of fell into that. And as I got older and, you know, kind of um, more mature, I guess you could say, mm terms of what I liked I was like I kind of can get down with this and they were so dedicated yeah. to kind of protecting his character and not doing stupid shit initially yes. even when he got beat and they would do some dramatic stuff like he died or yeah I was like that they are dedicated this to this character almost kind of like even though the warrior was in a short stint they were dedicated yep. to like make it okay wow this guy like really like when he shakes the ropes get really gets more powerful like you know they yeah they invested in that so i kind of i think it awakened the storyteller in me so you know like i do promos on the side or whatever so i do all kinds of crazy shit with uh, my character and mm -hmm. taker was the inspiration for it as well as warrior and sting and comics and all the other stuff because as long as you stay dedicated to the character and the story that you're telling, people will believe it if you believe it. So, yeah, yeah that's where I kind of, um, I was like, Taker's different. They're not doing that with anybody else. You know what I mean? No, absolutely not. You're you're 100% on there. I, I felt like Taker was unique in the sense that he was so special that uh, his look, the way he was presented, the fact that he used a gimmick that would be comical any other time. Right. It just really worked for him. And the fact that he kayfabed it all the time, like he, yeah. he would talk about this. He didn't sign autographs. He didn't talk to fans. He was like this scary guy just walking. He always presented that. Like since then, we've heard stories about him and Mustafa and him and Yoko and how they used to drink right. and brawl and stuff in hotel rooms right. and stuff. But like we as fans, we never got to see Mark Calloway. We, ha we got to see The Undertaker and it worked right. out really well for him. Uh, do you have any favorite matches of Undertaker that stick out to you, like early or later? Because I hate Hogan when he beat Hogan for the title. <laughs> oh yeah, then that yes, I yeah. I thought that was great. Have you ever heard the story that Undertaker's told us that um after he hit the tombstone on Hogan, Hogan comes to the back and he tells him, "You messed up my neck and my back, yeah. brother." 
Yeah. And yeah. it's just like, dude, your head was nowhere near. Like that was such right. a botched move. Uh, he, he protected did, he him so well. A, he could have did that on a newborn baby and it would have been fine. Absolutely. <laughs> the baby was old. 100% um, I agree with you. That was so weird that he like said that just hearing that stuff from Hogan was just hilarious to me. Uh, right. What did you think of the Taker versus Taker match at SummerSlam? Because I know that's a very controversial opinion. I personally love that match. I loved it because at that time I was still like a kid and I was like, yeah. I don't know which, who is who. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like me when I got older. Like, oh, that's a I think it's a Brian Lee from uh, yeah. ECW. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a Brian Lee from ECW. Yeah. You know I mean? like, I'm just like, it's two takers. Like, which one is it? It yeah. was almost like, um, and I think I tell my wife this all the time because I'm like, I, I watch um old school like commercials from philly and stuff like she's like why and i'm like because it's almost like i mourn the innocence that i used to have yeah yeah i mean because back then i'm like it's two takers like what which one is which you know what i mean like not having a dirt cheat or nothing the only thing i could do was tune in next um saturday morning you know what i mean yeah and it was no guarantee most of the time we didn't get the pay-per-views it was expensive as hell this wasn't a, a thing unless you know my dad would be taping it for somebody else or I could have a, a hookup. So I'm like, I had to find out next day at school, like from somebody that, you know, yeah. a, a kid that you know, had the kid that had all of the figures and all the stuff and was like, whatever, I saw the pay-per-view, you know, it was always a kid yeah. like that. Um, so I'd be like, yo, look, little Mikey, like what happened? And yeah. Like, oh yeah. The real taker is the one in the purple dude. Like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I thought it was great. I know a lot of people have gone back and said the match wasn't good, but I, I don't. I think that that's one of those moments where it's kind of like the Bray Wyatt effect, where you know it was the story and it was like the way they presented it that to me sticks out more than the actual match itself. Like I wasn't looking for technical right. ability. I wasn't looking for Bret Hart versus Dean Malenko in that match. I was looking for right. who's the real Undertaker. I really enjoyed that match. Um, right. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely one of those unique things. What did you think about his transition from the Undertaker to the American Badass? I thought it was good timing, and I thought yeah. it was really ballsy of him to have the conviction of his character to do something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I thought to myself, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they do DOA before that? <laughs> or, or the yeah, yes. So I was like, wow. Well, I guess since it's Taker, it would have more weight. Mm-hmm. But at me, I like to be the first person to do something. Yeah. Before. So I'm like, wow, he did this shit like from like Crush. I think Crush had like a motorcycle or some shit and nobody fucking cared. So I was yeah. like, okay. Um, but it, it worked for Taker. You know, he had he had the uh, Kid Rock shit. And, and that, yeah. even though, you know, I don't really fuck with Kid Rock. But that song kind of fit, you know, yeah. landed. And I, I feel like his commitment to being that character, it's like, like I mentioned Vampire Hunter D, like that would be cool if somebody dedicated themselves to that character or if it was yeah. portrayed in an awesome way. But I'd imagine the person that is portraying it would get tired of doing that shit at some point. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, you gotta, you definitely got to see that. I mean, I, I think Undertaker, what he did for me more as a fan is he helped me appreciate uh, other people like I was I was on an island all by myself as a gang girl fan nobody liked him for some reason and I was like this is great like we just grew up with this guy who like had like the Undertaker Undertaker's a real job <laughs> in the real world you know right. and this guy right. turned it into like a horror movie character for us on screen right. and now we have this vampire that comes out of the ground I was like nah man i love this like with the blood baths and stuff like i i'm a massive fan of the brood I, I think that that was such a it was too too small a time period for them but Excellent. shout out to edge for kind of uh bringing it back and you know yeah kind of, uh, showing some appreciation and respect for gangrel and absolutely Christian. they could have that said that had uh wheels man i feel like they yeah. could have but i think it was a lot going on around that time with and it's the ministry, the brew could have been a thing on its own. Honestly. Absolutely. Yeah. But, I agree I, with you. I mean, for me, the reason I like Gangrel so much, and I always talk about this, um, is because I grew up where I grew up in Puerto Rico, we didn't have a lot of access to a lot of wrestling here in the States. So Gangrel actually wrestled for Carlos Colon's company in Puerto Rico. 
So I got to watch him work out there. And whenever somebody would visit, like, that's how I knew who Ric Flair was. Because it was like, okay, yeah, I watched Ric Flair wrestle this one match with this one guy who would become, like, my everything. But I was just like, all right. You know, like, these guys come over here and they work. And, you know, Macho Man works out here. We get to see all these different wrestlers come out to Puerto Rico and work and stuff like that. So I think for me, that's why I liked Gangrel so much. But, yeah, if, if not for Taker, none of these characters work. He he's like kind of the originator. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and if you look at it, when they got rid of all of those characters, like all the funny characters, like Doink the Clown, which I think is an underrated right. character, by the way. I don't know why. I feel like he would work today. <laughs> and people, people, they were like, remember when the uh, Joaquin Phoenix did the Joker? Yeah, the Joker. Yeah. People were like looking back, like, "Yo, let me check out Doink the Clown." Because yeah. They saw like the heel Doink. They saw flashes yeah. of it. Matt yes. Horn was like brilliant yes that. yeah the heel version of doink the clown was the best version ever i was really i really believed that he was going to be world champion one day i was like they're going to put the title on this guy and it's going to be impossible for people to beat him like he's just so you know i felt like it was going to add to the story like every time you thought you were going to win here we were going to get some kind of like you know a uh, pennywise type of uh thing on right. screen and he was gonna like that's kind of what i felt like him uh, about him but yeah i just want to harken back to saying that the undertaker was just like an originator in his time i know that he like believed this character and that's why i i don't think that if he doesn't believe this character we don't get things like the brood we don't get things like doing the clown we also don't get like kane who like the kane, kane thing I'm a, I'm a huge fan even though they fucked him up at some point yeah he never should have uh, lost his mask never I have uh let me go over here real quick. I got a rip the the ripped and roofless um with the bricks and shit. Um, yeah. This version of Kane right here. Yeah. Was was perfection. Like yeah. it was a perfect monster. Like the that way is he awesome. introduced. Yeah, I mean I, I and it's funny because the mask comes off him, and I thought to myself back back when I got it, I was like, "Oh shit, I can see who it is," and it's just like yeah. somebody with a goatee. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird too. I always thought to myself, like, I don't see. He looks like like it's the it's clearly the same person, so I know what I'm saying makes no sense. But he looks like Isaac Yankum, and because if you were a WWF fan, you're like, "Wait, so this dentist fixed his teeth and he just put on a mask? Like that's weird." You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I just thought it was so strange, right. and I was like, no, don't take his mask <laughs> off. Like, I remember being, like, so angry when they pulled his mask and stuff. Like, I was okay with them yeah. putting the, the singlet, the tank top on him, you know, with the flames right. and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's cool. Okay, so he fixed his burns because I grew up with movies, and like you said, I, I really, like, moved towards the darker stuff, so I like the craft. The movie the craft right. and in the in nev campbell's yeah. character when she starts doing the right. witchcraft and stuff she loses her burns and i was like okay like let's bring that to professional wrestling like i like it you know but right. yeah i like to say that there are certain characters that just they just stick out uh there's definitely some failures in the time where i wish that they would have gotten further like i know um i've said this before and i'll say it again wcw was not the right company for a guy like vampiro i feel like he's still like a legend in the sport if he winds up in wwe like i just felt like that version would have been great i mean especially when you think about what you just mentioned kid rock right with with the undertaker right. so if we look right. at a guy like vampiro right who was pretty like yeah he was he was a mix it was like undertaker and sting had a baby that's kind of what i looked yeah. at vampiro yeah. and when i look at him i'm thinking like dude this guy had the misfits do his song like I remember as a fucking huge thing fan, I was mad as shit. Just yeah, like, who the fuck is this dude? He yeah. like he was playing his shit out of Sting. Like yeah, I was like, yo, what is Sting? When you gonna get your lick back? Like yeah, you were like playing the NWO for a, a whole year plus straight. Yeah, and this one dude comes along, he's getting hung and getting blood pulled yeah. on him. Like all right, man, you getting beat up in graveyards? I'm like. This is bullshit, man. Yeah. Like, as a fan, like, come on. So, yeah. but when you separate yourself, you're like, in the back of your mind, it's like, this guy is, is pretty cool, but I don't like it that he's beating up my guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, let's segue over to Sting then, because I, I feel like Sting is one of those characters that he's he's kind of underrated in the sense that people don't realize how much he means to professional wrestling. Like I remember when I was, when I was, uh, I posed the debate on TikTok about, uh, who's better stinger taker or, you know, or who you like more was pretty much what I was trying to get at. But I think people turned it into a, like, Oh, my guy's better than your guy. Um, 
when I mentioned to someone that he's a 15 time world champ, people were like, what? When did he win all those titles? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's a nine-time WCW champion, and then he won the rest of his championships in TNA. Like, those are real championships, right. guy. Like, that's NWA, TNA. Like, that's what it is, you know? Right. Um, I, I feel mm. like people don't realize that, what he meant to the business. But I love how you bring up the thing about Vampiro because we've watched him do it so much. Sting has zero problem putting someone over. Right. And it is so unique. He's been the one guy, like... Like, I don't know if it works for a guy like Undertaker. I don't know if Undertaker can go out there and lose match after match after match and still be the top guy. Right. You know, I think I think he needed to be that guy that, like, he only lost his matches to, like, Stone Cold. He only right. lost to guys right. like, you know, even when he loses to Kurt Angle. It's by Schmoz, right? Like, he doesn't, like, lose yeah. clean to yeah. Kurt Angle. Uh, when he loses to The Rock, it's a triple threat match. Like it's like okay, like nobody really beats the Undertaker. It's it's rare. And when Yoko beats him, it's like the whole like um Jim Cornette's whole stable has to come out to beat the Undertaker. It's not straight up, you know. But for Sting, he would work guys like Bill Goldberg, and he would uh, he would take the loss. He would get dominated. He'd work guys like Vampiro. He would lose um. To Reese on WCW Nitro, things like Dude, that. Like I, I always thought it was so good. I just watched um just to get prepped for the show and get in the right mindset. I watched mm -hmm. Bret Hart versus Sting. The Halloween um, Havoc match. Yeah. Yeah. Did not like the fact that we never got peak, at least peak in my mind, because mm -hmm. everybody thinks some magical thing happens if somebody goes yeah. from WWE to WCW. And all it really is, and you have to be a wrestling fan to get older, is the mismanagement of the fucking character and not yeah. knowing what you have. You have Bret Hart. He yes. was on the on the side of like the little was it the WrestleMania uh, yeah. video game? Like Bret Hart was like the leader of the next generation. And yes, it was almost like okay, Hogan's stuff is basically we made him up. He's bullshit, but yeah. this guy can really wrestle. Mm -hmm. And here's a bunch of wrestlers that can actually do the moves and yeah. tell the stories. You know what I mean? It's not like, um, what was that cartoon he had? Like, rock and roll wrestling. Yeah. Hogan, that, that shit is over. Here's real yeah. wrestling. 60-minute Iron Man match. This is yeah. Bret Hart. And you get him, and WCW's like, I don't know what to do. I was, so that burned me up. Like, mm -hmm. him... He okay. If you're gonna have him heal versus um Sting, I get it. But give me a trilogy. Yeah, you know what I mean, like give me a story. They just kind of had it. They were like, these guys don't like that they have a similar finisher. Yeah, and they did one. the The match was okay. Mm -hmm. Like I just was like, wow. As I reflect more, and here's another thing about being a wrestling fan: you could like something and critique it all. The you know, absolutely. It's hard, but as as you get older, with anything in life, you know what I mean. You could love it and like it or whatever and still be able to critique it yes Sting should have not joined the fucking as much as i dig the wolf yep. pack in theory mm -hmm. it, it was a vibe it was a bop you know what i mean it's almost like guys this should have stayed like backstage yeah out of character because him joining the way they booked that they, they lost all the time like yeah i remember talking to my best friend like when it was happening it was yeah like yo Look at this group on paper, like they should be invincible, but like they lose to like, like you said, like Horace and like bums. Yeah, and like, I I agree with you there. Um, I definitely feel that I would definitely we'll, we're definitely gonna after we're done with Sting, we're gonna talk about Brett because I have I I feel like I'm his only defender on the internet right now. Like I feel like people hate Brett for just being, you know, um. The Grant Torino, uh, Clint, uh, Clint Eastwood character. Like, I feel like that's they're just like, oh, we hate, we hate that Bret Hart's grumpy. Like, that's kind of, well, I, I just what? feel like it's so weird. They say, like, uh, the person that speaks the truth has, you know, doesn't have a lot of friends. Yeah, he just agreed. On, on shit that people don't want to fucking hear. That's, my that's the thing. It, it, I yeah, know. I agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like getting back to the Sting thing and then we could jump right into Bret. I just feel like Sting was one of those, um, he was one of those great people for the business. And you've heard it. Like, I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but the 83 weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff, they have like five different sting episodes where they, they account the whole year. So they have like 95 sting, 96 sting, 97, 98, oh, wow. and then the TNA sting. Uh, and, they're great episodes. Uh, I can send you the links on uh, to them on uh, on TikTok so you can see them, so you can like listen to them and stuff. Uh, whether you have Apple Music or you have you know um, 
or or you have Spotify. They're both on there. But okay. yeah, when I when or you could YouTube, you can watch them on YouTube because they have a YouTube account as well if you just want to watch it. But cool. when I when I hear Eric Bischoff talk about Sting, you can almost be like, yeah, this is the guy that like you could tell he knew this this guy was more than just the wrestling business. He was important to what happened on screen. And there was a reason that he was picked to be the the foe to the NWO. And I, I appreciated him so much. I I am one of those people that prefer the crow sting to the surfer sting. Sting like the surfer sting was my childhood. But growing up, right. no, it's 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 the crow sting because we you talk about being a big comic book fan. Like my dad used to sit me down and make me watch like Fist of Fury and you know, like uh, uh, enter the dragon and things like that. Yeah. And, and I just yeah. uh, the big boss. And I just yeah. remember well, like growing up with Bruce Lee. So when I found out his son was a movie star, I remember I watched rapid fire with Brandon Lee thinking like, wow, this right. is great showdown in little Tokyo. And then when he became right. the crow, I was hooked. So I was yeah, already a fan of the crow. Yeah. Every, I literally have a, um, a mask that I painted um, because you could tell, you know, we go to a Halloween store, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Like, this is the pro. They just changed a few things around. Yeah. So I literally just let me get It's like hanging here. I literally just. Oh, I, I love just, it. I just painted it myself. Yeah. Um, definitely obsessed with that. And it was almost like perfect for me because I was like, oh. And um, the Crow soundtrack was my gateway into like that type of music, like alternative, yeah. stone pilots, all that. So it was a lot of different things. Um, in terms of pop culture that was happening that was, as I was getting older. But um, yeah. when I found out that Sting was going to basically take on kind of like this, um, not the identity of the Crow, but was seriously influenced it. I was like, I yeah. love the Crow and I love Sting. This is perfect. Yeah. But Sting yeah. kind of like made it his own. The yes. build up was perfect. Like when he would like go in the ring and like, I remember there was a scuffle between like NWO and like the Horsemen and like a bunch yeah. of people went, um, from um, uh, WCW, he literally just like came out of the, came out of the uh, the crowd, literally got in the ring and like just walked through. And yeah. Arn Anderson went to touch him, and he was like, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> he just walked. He walked to the other side. I was like, this is the most ball shit I've ever seen because yeah. you don't know what he's gonna do. Like he would do the thing when he would turn his back and be like, yeah, gonna hit me, hit me. And I was like, yeah. this is brutal. I this love that where he gives the bat to Macho Man Randy Savage wow. and he turns around. I thought that was so brilliant. Um, a lot of people tend to think that Sting was just all character based. And I always tell them, I'm like, if you really think that, do me a favor and go back because the entire promo is on YouTube. And I, and I want to make people very aware. All wrestlers know where the hard cam is. They all know where they're supposed to look. And that's why this promo is so important to me. It's one of my favorite promos ever. After Sting gets accused by Luger and the Steiners of being like this mystery guy for the NWO, right? Mm -hmm. He goes out there and he cuts this promo, this free agent promo that you don't. And yeah. that's where we get the first phrase. Like the only thing that's for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. Yeah. And that's where he, if you watch the promo, his back is facing the camera. He refuses to look at the camera. And it wow. is just, it's so impactful. And I'm like, listen, this guy can always talk. He's always had this. He just never needed to. His character right. was more than that, you know, right. but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love that. I love that. Um, I, but jumping over to Bret Hart, I, I also want to say what you said in the beginning of this, I wholeheartedly agree. I've talked about this plenty of times and I talk about this in terms of AEW with Brian Danielson that they messed up his character as well. We have had two moments in professional wrestling history, two that I can think of where one guy has left a company on fire. And joined another company, and he has been mismanaged. We've heard uh, – there's a great episode in that 83-week podcast where he talks about Brett, and he's like, well, Brett didn't come here and do us any favors. He didn't come here as like, uh, you know, oh, these are all the, the ideas, the stories I have. He just kind of came over here and said, I want to show up late to work, and I just want to work and go home. And it was like, dude, he just got screwed from the Montreal Screwjob. That's the biggest story in professional wrestling right now. It was right before right. Stone Cold took over, and it was like – how do you how do you not use that? How do you not have him come out after Sting wins the championship with Hogan? Like Monday night, debut him that Monday night, have him attack Sting, have him attack Hogan, be like, you know, that title was taken away from me. I'm coming to get this title and I'm gonna make this title more important than that title. Like so many things that they could have done and they didn't do it. And it's so weird because when you read in his book, 
about uh, WCW or when you listen to Eric Bischoff talk about him, it's almost like he was lazy in WCW. And I'm thinking like, dude, the guy was heartbroken. Like right. most people, like we talk, like, I don't know, uh, like I, I see you there with an Eagles hat on, so I'm sure you're a big football fan. Shannon Sharp talks about it all the time. He couldn't be a good husband. He couldn't be a good father because he cared right. about football. That was his number one. That was what Bret Hart was. He was the Shannon right. Sharp of of wrestling. Like wrestling was number one to him, and it was taken away from him in an embarrassing fashion. So, yeah. I mean, whether I agree that he should have just dropped the title and moved on, that's irrelevant to the point. The point is that he he had the opportunity to go into WCW as the hottest character in professional wrestling, and they didn't do anything with it. And you know what? It's funny because I think I don't know if every wrestling fan this, but wrestling fan wrestling fan has this. But I've developed kind of like a spider sense, if you will. Mm-hmm. You got characters like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Yes. As, as good as Shawn was, I thought to myself, there's something I don't like about him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny as I got older, I heard all the fucking horror stories about yeah. this bag. Now, granted, maybe he changed his life around, da, 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 but you know, um, you know what they say: uh, a leopard can't leopard can't change his spots. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't trust him. Just like I don't fuck with Triple H. I, you can separate somebody's brilliance and what they do. Yes. As part opposed from their character, because. The shit he did with China is just like that's I don't fuck with him like that. Yeah. Um, that's just me personally. Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels, I heard some sly shit that he had to say to The Rock, like before The Rock was The Rock, he mm-hmm. was integral, kind of like, you know, making it difficult for him and all that click shit. Yeah. And turns out I remember um The Rock had a he did some type of video that Brett got inducted to something and he told a story about how integral uh Brett was to him developing and Brett kind yes. of put him aside. And, and, you know, and basically was like, yo, fuck these idiots here. Let me show you how business is done properly. Yes. And I don't know whether that shined through through his character or what, but it's like the more I found out about Brett and how he carried himself, it made sense to me. Because it's almost like, you know, they say your character is an exaggerated, supercharged version of yourself sometimes. It's like, hmm, HBK, dickhead. Yeah, that checks out. Seems like, you know what I mean? Supercharged and Bret Hart on the other side, the guy that wants to do things the way it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. You know, he had um to make a comic book reference, he had kind of like the Cyclops thing. Like we yeah. do things like this. You know yeah. what I mean? There's a certain way we handle business. No That is a perfect Marvel. That's a perfect character to attribute to Bret Hart, Cyclops, because Cyclops is one of the most polarizing characters in all of comic yeah. media. And when people realize like he yeah he just really cares about what he's doing like it it right. you your hate for cyclops is unwanted like it's kind of one of those things i love that but you talk about how um turning the character up like that's stone cold steve austin's motto he says that's why steve austin worked because it was steve austin stone cold steve austin was steve williams just turned up to high he was the same guy. That's who he is in real life. And right. uh, I, the reason I wanted to bring the, that I wanted to touch on that is so we could jump right into today's wrestling is uh, one of the things that really strikes me as odd is wrestling fans today refuse to listen to wrestlers when they tell us stuff. So if a guy like Steve Austin says his greatest match ever was WrestleMania 13 against um, Bret the Hitman Hart, that's that's the match of his career. And then you have wrestling fans that are like, you don't know what you're talking about to the man himself. Like your best match ever is WrestleMania 15 with the rock. And it's like, no, that's, that's the most money he's ever made. That's not the same thing as his best match ever. You know what I mean? Like when, when, and and it always strikes me as odd. Like you hear people say like, you know, wrestlers, they do this stuff, but we don't need to listen to them. Like, dude, yeah, we do. Like, they're yeah. telling us what to watch. They're telling us what to yeah. listen to. It's so strange. So what do you feel about like today's wrestling fan refusing to actually listen and pay attention to wrestlers when they talk to us? Now, it's funny because um, obviously um, the old school name, that's kind of what I – aside from my promo stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it's some people say PK, but um, old school is what I go by just with uh, wrestle talk and content and stuff like that because – you know, I have a preference for older things. And yes. it's funny because I tell, you know, I, I feel so weird because I don't feel old, but I know mm-hmm. kind of like in reality I am the 90s. Mm-hmm. And my wife always tells me like, we're not, 
in the 90s, you could turn on, uh, you know, the BET countdown, uh, Yo, Rap City, and, and listen yeah. to all that stuff. But, you know, I was listening to uh, Don't Sweat the Technique, and uh, one of my boys on uh, Russell Talk was like, yo, I haven't heard that in, like, forever. I'm like, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I am old um, mm. compared to you guys. But to um, answer the question, I have to always remind myself, like, I came into this at a different time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's almost like a um, you teach me, I teach you type of thing. Yes. Because I kind of, when I got on WrestleTalk, I remember I, I got into it with um, some good friends, I guess you could say, of mine, like the, everybody in the brotherhood, like Axel and, and Mitri and different things. We had some debates about like, I think it was like a tag tag team or something like that. Mm. I was like, you know, like the Snyders, I was talking about like Sabu and RBD, hugely underrated. And I felt like I had to kind of check myself at a certain point. You have to listen to what other people are saying so you can learn. So they'll listen to you in turn. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, ah, oh, man, I sound like the old man that's like, you know, back in my day. Um, but at the same time, I just feel like it's been uh, an adjustment kind of yeah. like checking myself. Because before you can tell anything to anybody else, you have to be like, all right, how am I presenting this? Even yes. if it's accurate. You know what I mean? Like, how am I presenting it? Is this just, you know, my personal, you know, me uh, preferring like Ring of Honor in the early 2000s compared to like anything that's going on here? Now, even if that even if that's the hill I choose to die on, I don't want to contaminate the waters for anybody that is getting into wrestling that's, you know, just happens to be younger. Um, You know, I was going kind of back and forth the way I met um, Axel on um. Russell talk, we were I was trashing the Miz. I was like, I can't stand this dude. I don't know yeah. you know what he's saying him, blah 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 blah. Turns out he was right. You know what I mean? Like as time has gone on and I took my feelings out of it, because basically I was getting worked. Um because mm-hmm. I couldn't stand I can stand him. Yeah. I just something about him I just could not stand. But when you look at everything he's done, like that run with the Intercontinental title, how yeah. reliable he is, like he's getting over L.A. Knight, who I'm, I don't really care about, um, you know, but everybody's in, <laughs> entitled to their own opinion. Yeah. Um, he's getting him over. Like he has kind of become priceless in terms yeah. of their development of stars because I felt like for a long time they, you know, um, had a hard time like creating baby faces. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, a whole roster can't be heel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you need somebody that kind of like, you know, is reliable, won't hurt somebody, you know, can get heat all the time. And he's become that, you know, anything they need him to do, he's pretty much done. So mm-hmm. I've been wrong about things. I just have learned over time. Okay, I'm old school. You know, I prefer older things um, because I think, you know, they say the devil's in the details. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? Like when I people be like, "Oh, WrestleMania matches." It's a ton of WrestleMania matches you go, and I have a, some um, pals that be like, "Oh, you know, uh, PK likes Ultimate Warrior." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, listen, if you look at that WrestleMania six match, right? Yeah. He wasn't the best worker. Neither one of them were Hogan or Warrior. That was a priceless, well tell, well told story. Mm-hmm. Even. When Hogan went into business for himself and didn't yes. sell, that tells a lot about Hogan, even though that's not a part of the story. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Like, you could go back and be like, see this douchebag and all the stuff he did? Here's little flashes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he, he does things, and he really plays himself when he's trying to get himself over at the expense of mm-hmm. other people. But he doesn't know he's doing it, which is a whole nother thing. So it's kind of like your character blurring into real life stuff. But, you know, I yeah. see things from all different angles because I watched it for so long, but give me a well-told story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the peak of that w- with old school and new school was uh, early classic ROH. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like Samoa Joe, AJ, yeah. you know, the American dragon, my God, like, they did that, you know what I mean? They took the best wrestling, but the story was there. 
You yeah, know what I mean? Uh, agreed. I mean, at that time, yeah, I mean, you're talking to a kid that grew up in, in Bayo, New Jersey. So, hop, like, you know, getting going a couple of exits over to Rawway to watch Ring of Honor was normal. I mean, I was there for the Willow the Wisp and his return to Ring of Honor, which he got booed out of the building, by the way. I'll never forget that. People hated Jeff Hardy there. He The only way yeah. he got people to chant for him was he just started saying version one, Matt Hardy is the best in the world. And it was just like, wow, you got to use your brother's name to get people to stop booing you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was there. I, I used to go there to watch Paul London versus Samoa Joe, uh, Chris, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Daniels, things like that. But I remember oh, that thinking cool. like, wow, these guys, they're, it's just an indie show. This is a wrestling show. But yet, when when Brian Danielson was feuding with Homicide, I was like, I bought that. When Brian comes out and he cuts the promo and he's screaming Homicide's name and he's like, you know, I'm challenging right. you. I was like, I felt that, you know what I mean? You, you felt all of that. And I, I, I guess it's never been an issue, but it seems like the internet or wrestle talk itself has become one of these, like, my opinion is what matters. And I don't care what a wrestler tells me. It's kind of like the Nia Jax thing. Like recently, right. like Stevie Richards, he talks about it and that's all anybody wants to harp on. They're like, Oh, right. well, he broke down Nia Jax. He was attacking her. And I'm like, he also broke down Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor in a match, massive botch that could have ended one of their careers. Like right. he's talked about the Bret Hart and Goldberg super kick that ended Bret's career. Like he doesn't just break down one women's match. Like he's done this a lot. He's picked massive stars to do this, but for some reason, uh, uh, talking about Nia, people are like, I don't value his opinion. His opinion doesn't matter. And I'm thinking like, this dude knows what it's like to be safe. He's worked for all companies. He worked for WCW, ECW, WWE. Like he knows who are the safe workers and who aren't, you know, right. he, he's a trainer. He worked with guys like Lance storm that teach efficiency, yeah. you know, yeah. and you know, even you could see it. He pointed this out and guess what? Last night when she hit the bonsai drop on Shayna, she holds onto mm-hmm. the top rope. She hits it the right way. She flat, she lands flat on her feet. All of a sudden, you know, one critique and people being like, oh, it's unsafe. Like, yeah, they, they did use it in a storyline. So now we, you know, Rhea's hurt and so is Raquel, thanks to Nia Jax. Like, that was great that they used that last night. But it clearly resonated with somebody backstage. It was like, dude, you could have hurt Rhea. Like, go make sure you do this bonsai drop. You know, now that it's her finisher, they announced last right. night that was her finisher and they gave it a name. I forget. I, I don't have it here for you right now, but they actually did name yeah, her finisher. The Annihilator? Yeah, the Annihilator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you that's brilliant. Like, um, I feel like this is a generational thing. Maybe it's cause, maybe it's the dad in me because mm-hmm. um, I've had to kind of look at things from so many different angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have nieces, I have nephews, I have a daughter. It's. I think it's a generational thing when it comes mm-hmm. to people's opinions and the social media and technology is an asset, but it can be a detriment to certain people mm-hmm. that don't know how to properly, you know I mean? Show other people common respect and like conversations and stuff like that, because now you got, you're behind a computer screen. You know what I yes. mean? Nobody, nobody can really, you, you have a sense of invincibility. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I can say this and say this and, you know, not be respectful. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think a whole, this whole new generation, it doesn't really help them. You know what I mean? I feel like when you and I came up, you know, you have to talk, you know, sports with your friends, whatever. You know, we've all talked all different types of things. But, yeah. you know, certain things you can say and certain things you can say, you try to be respectful. Yeah. Those type of things you try and make, you know, if you're going to come, you know, to the uh, basketball court or whatever and you're going to, you know, makes make a claim for your favorite player. Like I used to like guys that um in addition to Jordan, obviously, but I used yeah. to like guys like I remember um Herschel Walker. Like when yeah. we when I, I loved him. I loved uh, running backs. I loved like guys who were like kind of like workhorses or yeah. weren't like um, weren't like wide receivers and stuff like that. They got a bunch yeah. of yards, but they were like play hard. So yeah. you have to have like facts and things like that and if somebody disputes it okay be like all right well you don't you don't like uh you know who i like cool you don't like Sean kent <laughs> you don't yeah. like uh dominique Wilkins. you know what i mean you don't like charles barkley you know yeah. you don't like and but here here's what i can tell you they do and they do well and this is why and that's why but yeah nowadays it's just like is this because i say so 
Yeah. And if you disagree with me, you know, you 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 you, you know, it it goes into the whole, you know, don't don't um I don't want to say disrespect, but people get in their feels is what yes. I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, are we having a conversation or a debate, or are we not? You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not attacking you. I'm not yeah. being toxic because I'm calling you on your bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like that, maybe that's the, uh, you know, old school of me. I'd be looking at younger people like, no, this is just somebody disagreeing what you're saying with facts that yeah. you don't want to hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is yeah. nobody attacking you personally. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a lot of that going on. Um, obviously, we're both on WrestleTalk. I, you know, I see a whole bunch of nonsensical stuff. Um, I've gotten to the point where I kind of like, I pick and choose where I, you know, I comment. Mm-hmm. Just because, it, you know, there's a lot of creators that, you know, I think are good. I think you're entertaining. But they be just spinning. I'll be like, and I try and say it the best, nicest way I can. You're spinning your wheels with some of these yeah. ideas. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I, I've gotten to the point that once I hit a, a certain number on TikTok, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be commenting on everybody's pages. Like if somebody comments and they don't like my comments, I'll just kind of be like, all right, I respect your opinion. Right. Like wh- what are we supposed to do at that point? You know, I'm not going to convince you. You're not going to convince me. Like it's just that simple. I realized that during like the Undertaker debate mm-hmm. where people were really angry and they're, and I was like, okay, like, This was a big deal. Like this started as a harmless, like I found this on Twitter and I used it on here and people were just like really angry. And I was like, wow. But uh, what I've realized too is uh, I think what really got my following going was when I posted that Bret Hart video where I talk about how we forgive or we tend to forget some of the harsh things that wrestlers have done in the past and we prop them up as these like potential stars or oh well they were found not guilty in a court and i'm thinking like oj simpson was found not guilty do you believe that he didn't do it you know what i mean like it's one of those things and it's like and the only thing bret hart has done is just be grumpy that's it i just don't feel like him being grumpy is a reason for people to hate him my best friend was the biggest owen hart fan Mm -hmm. um I went to a uh, Roman Catholic and um, in Philly downtown. And I remember um, going to school after he passed and he was devastated. Yeah. Just like we all were wrestling fans, but when it's your guy, like mm-hmm. I remember he was like, when he joined the nation, the black heart, um, yeah. when he was doing the, um, the blue blazer, he was like, this is funny, but as long as he's getting on TV, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, and that happened. I remember he was devastated. And I didn't even have the words to console him because I hadn't seen that before. That was something mm. we we hadn't lived through. Yeah. And I mean, so when you think about it from that perspective, like, you know, just a human aspect, your life is never going to be the same again. Mm. And I mean, I give tip my hat to Brett for even wrestling anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would have probably been done with, like, the whole industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And especially the details behind, you know, what happened and it could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, you know, Brett, it, it's almost like uh, it was, you know, the classic line, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, Harvey Dent. Yeah, <laughs> that, that 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 is almost like Brett's tale. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for all I mean, the shit he's done for the industry, people still find a way to be like, eh. But yeah, hilariously. And I don't know if what type of character um, Michael Hickenbottom is his name, right? Shawn Michaels? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I don't. But I know some of the shit, apparently, from what I've read and heard yeah. that he's done. And people are quick to be like, Shawn Michaels is my number one. He's yeah. my number one. He's the greatest. I'm like, yo, he was a piece of shit. A yeah. flaming piece of shit. For an extended period of time, but we just all right, cool. He's my number one, though. He's the greatest. Yeah. Ever. I'm like, but Bret Hart was, from what I understand, if all that granted, I'm saying this, if all the facts I've gotten are correct, was a mm. pretty stand up dude, helped people. And yeah. The Rock literally said he he pulled Mark Henry, yeah, like his family, he, Stone he, Cold, yeah, Austin. Mm. 
to me, shit, the character outside of what you do, I don't know about anybody else, that stuff matters. Like, you, you're talking about Nia Jax. I saw her, I used to work at the um, airport in Philly, and I saw her, and she was going to get something to eat for breakfast with my dad. And I said, hey, Nia, and she just waved back, super nice. Yeah. So I'm not going to name some female wrestlers, but I've interacted with some of them just in passing. Because yeah. I don't mark out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I may I mark I may mark out on the inside, but I don't be like, oh, sign something. Oh, mm-hmm. is this something? I've had some interactions with a couple of them that was I won't say negative, but like mm-hmm. it was just like not what I expected. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh I agree with you. I, I I've met um I've met some wrestlers that are considered to be super toxic. Like just awful, and they've been nothing but great. Like I remember, I met Ken Shamrock, mm-hmm. and he was so nice, just mm-hmm. super nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed an autograph, took a picture, just really mm-hmm. nice dude. I met Sasha Banks once. That was the worst interaction I've ever had with a wrestler, ever. That was one of the people I that was one of the people I saw. Yeah, and it's so <laughs> weird. Like I can I can definitely compartmentalize. Like I could definitely be like, all right, you know, like I love. Mercedes, like I, I'm, I'm a massive fan of hers. Uh, the fact that she loves Eddie as much as she does, the fact right. that she's able to leave WWE, and I, I feel like be better than she ever was in WWE. I love her, but that right. doesn't mean that that interaction didn't happen. You know, like yeah. almost like I was annoying her to just say hello. I didn't even ask for an autograph. I didn't ask for a photo. I just said, "Oh, Sasha Banks, like what's yeah. up?" And she was yeah. just like, she was just like, "I'm, I'm busy right now." And I was just thinking, like, "Damn, I don't even get a hello." You just got like, "I'm busy right now." Like, what the hell? Oh, my guy, like, she was in one of the stores and she threw something and it missed the trash. Yeah, and I was like, I ain't even saying nothing about that. I was like, I basically say, "Oh, Sasha," and she. She saw that it missed the trash and just kind of looked at me and rolled her eyes and kept walking. I was like, yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. (laughs) But I got to say, I met Alberto Del Rio and I and he worked. He was working us when he met us. I remember I remember I I, I think I was with my father and I saw Alberto Del Rio and I remember uh, he wouldn't acknowledge us. He was like, you know just looking at us like we were just like nothing to him. And I remember him walking away and my dad being like, you know, this Jersey reeking attitude. And he's like, the fuck's going on with that guy? Like, you know, my son's over here telling me he's a fan of yours and you're an asshole. And he's going to walk away. And I just tell my dad, I was like, dad, I think, I think he's playing a character because he's a bad guy. And he like walks down and I look at Alberto. And my dad looks at Alberto and he just winks at both of us. And I'm thinking, like, all right, like, see, that's cool. So if Sasha was a heel at the time and she would have done that, I would have been like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Like, that's what I mean. I've talked about Alberto Del Rio on here before that, like, yeah, I know I know what happened with him and Paige, and it's terrible and stuff like that. I'm not trying to discount what, like, what he did in his real life. But at that moment in time, I felt like Alberto was a really nice dude. And, you know, you can't really, you can't really fault him for just being, you know, that guy look we got some questions in the chat if you want to before we get going here so uh we have a, a from the dungeon podcast here wants to compliment your shirt says love that lex t-shirt so that's yeah, cool yeah man um my my favorite united states champion of all time because yeah because the way they booked him he it was like what the same way uh perfect was for the intercontinental title was how lex was for the u.s title and that's yeah. all booked Mind you, he one of the people he beat to defend it was before he was taker. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mark Calloway uh, was it? I think back then. I think it was yeah, right yeah. before he went to uh, WWF because I remember Lex was wrestling him in these big ass bright pink tights. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so interesting, interesting how you know things happen and how. Um, Back in the day, you know, some some of the wrestlers. I mean, I think Sting uh, fought um, Taker before he was Taker as well. Yeah, I think yeah. You did that on your videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they agree with you here. Uh, from the Dungeon Podcast, actually said that he's the greatest United States champion of all time. Yes, I mean, absolutely. so there you go. I mean, uh, uh, some controversial statements here being sent to us, like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are both not top five wrestlers. That's a <laughs> That's wow. a pretty big one. <laughs> and then we have some uh, good and bad interactions with wrestlers here. Uh, here says uh, Mercedes is a real asshole in real life. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm doing my best. I, I just thought as a custodian at the time, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, I'd been there a nice amount of time, so I kind of knew. I'd seen a few people. I think we saw Flair roll through there, and he was like, you know, he was performing and stuff like that. That's just who he is. Yeah. I didn't, I, I knew, because I, you know, like I said, I've been to Ring of Honor shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Austin Aries, who a lot of people say, he's an asshole. He was super yeah. nice to us. We would chill in the back of the building, as you know. Like, if you hang around in the back, yeah. if they feel like it, you know what I mean? They might sign some stuff. AJ took a picture with me and my boy. Yeah. Um. So that's how just, <clears throat> I think Philly fans know how it rolls. So yeah. When I seen him, I was like, you know, I'm not awestruck by your presence, but I'm a fan, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I was mean, like, <clears throat> you, you threw that. I was like, nah, I know you, you, <laughs> you saw what you threw on the ground, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I'm like, I got to clean this up. So I kind of yeah. let that slide. So I was like, hey, Sasha, she, when she rolled her eyes and just kept it moving, I was like, oh, wow. So you gave me your ass to kiss, and I got to pick up this trash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's some great interactions here. It says Seamus and Drew McIntyre were super nice, nice, and so Rusev was very talkative about video games. That's exciting. I, I um, saw Seamus come out one of the um, bathrooms at the airport, and he gave me a quick pound. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys are really nice. I remember back in the day when I frequented Jersey All-Pro at Charity Hall, I remember that uh, we would have wrestlers come in and work. And whether it was somebody who is considered very controversial by many, which is low-key, a lot of people say he's a really harsh guy. He was really nice to us and Jersey All-Pro. He wasn't, like, rude or anything. We've met people like Homicide, New Jack, uh, uh, people like that that have worked Jersey All-Pro. CM Punk worked at Jersey All-Pro Wrestling before. He was nice. Brian Danielson. Um, some of these guys that have just been – that they're megastars. They've turned into megastars who have always been this nice. But every now and then you get um, – you get pretty harsh interactions. You just have to take it with a grain of salt. But before we get going, because I know you have to go to work here soon, I wanted to get um. Why don't you give me your Mount Rushmore? Who are your the four best ever? And if you can't differentiate, like if you can't just give me four ever, then do it the Seth Rollins way. Give me the four people that you feel like are the most influential to professional wrestling, and then your four favorites. Hmm. Oh man, this is hard. Most influ- I- I'm just gonna go with my four favorites because most okay. I, you know, you you forced me to put Hogan on there, which I have to. I know as an unbiased wrestling yeah. fan, he has to go on there. And the reason I can't stand him so much is almost be, almost because my inner child or younger Drew, whatever, feels like he was bamboozled. Yeah. Like when I when I really found out what a piece of shit he is, I was like, my inner child is like, man, we had his action figure. We was like, yeah. <laughs> we was all in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with my favorite. So I'm gonna go. <sighs> Rock is high, but uh... and I know this isn't having anything to do with anything, but he's kind of like been wearing on my nerves with some things that he's done, like coming back every year. You know what I mean? Like I get it, the nostalgia and everything. Yeah. Then you know, um, as a comic book fan, I. I heard, you know, with his uh, Black Adam tenure, yeah. he was like trying to stronghold himself to, for it to be him in the center of the universe. And, you know, Cavell got fired as Superman. Everybody wanted him back. So, yeah. you know, The Rock is kind of, you know, my last nerves in some ways, but I love him as a mm. wrestling fan. He's on there. So it'll be Taker, Sting, mm-hmm. Rock, and. I gotta say, Brett. Oh, then, Brett you know what? Okay. It's, it's perfect in Brett right there. It's yeah. hard for me. But I gotta say, Brett overall, because he carried the load of the company. Mm, but I yes. have a whole other uh, thing of um, I don't know what it is about me and guys that were super talented but never reached the top. Like, yeah. Like a huge Marino fan. Like, I love Rick Martel. He never was champion. Jake the Snake. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Like, I just a lot of, it's a ton of people I see, like, how talented they are, but it's almost like, People don't. People sleep on your greatness in the yeah. time you do it, and and it's you basically it's too late. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I love that. I mean, my my I've been very vocal. My Mount Rushmore is uh, Sting, Bret Hart, Brock Lesnar, Brian Danielson. 
I felt like when I when I came up with my Mount Rushmore, they had to be four different wrestlers. They had to be completely different. No styles the same as the next guy. I felt like they're all perfect in their sense. I mean, I guess the closest comparison you could say is Brett and Brian, but I feel like Brian, like I, I talk about this all the time, like how I said LA Knight is like the Rock and Austin had a baby, Vampiro is like Sting and Taker had a baby. I feel like Brian is like Shawn Michaels and William Regal had a baby, and that's what we got. This that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, they're both they're both the guys that trained him, and he's just been that way. I mean, I, I feel like by the time we're done with professional wrestling, like I feel like by the time we get to that point. I'm forever going to uh, feel like Sting is my all-time favorite. But if anybody rivals that, it's definitely Brian. From the first moment I watched him, sitting in my brother's living room, watching like uh, him at the King of the Indies, and then watching him live wrestle low-key in a tap-out match at Jersey All-Pro Wrestling, those those things are always going to stick out to me, being able to follow his entire career from the beginning. So um, here from the Dungeon gave us his top four all-time, which is Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, The Rock, and Stone Cold. That's a decent list. That's a lot of money-making. A lot of now, money making there. I gotta say, um, the second half of my wrestling evolution, when I, I I feel like as I got older and knew what real wrestling was, and kind of yeah. started to become, a, I guess not a supermark, but um, <laughs> a, a, a historian of, of professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, when ECW died, which I, I still mourn at to this day because it's a absolutely. Thing. Um, I. Shane Douglas, underrated world champion. I know that's going to be one hundred percent. Nope, one hundred percent, man. My guy. Um, I love Taz. When I saw Samoa Joe for the first time at my first Ring of Honor show, he was late, and he they said they were saying he you know he got held up with a flight, whatever. At, and we're looking, and we're like, damn, we're not going to see him. His music hits. You know, Miles yeah. did not go out. He's in his like street gear, comes in like destroys everybody in the ring, and I was like that. Is my guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's been my guy ever since. Like, I love Joe everywhere he goes. I hope he beats that punk ass MJF. I can't. Oh, him. yeah. Woo, yeah. Man. I mean, I'm hoping we'll, we'll have to have you back on the show then. If uh, if he happens to win the world championship, we'll have to do like a breaking news segment or something like that. Oh, but yeah, because I definitely would love to talk about that. My first action into Samoa Joe was watching him in Paul London's farewell match in Ring of Honor in Rawway, New Jersey. Uh, that was my first time seeing Paul London. It was my first time seeing Samoa Joe live. And I, I immediately was like, Joe is, he's amazing. He's one of the best, um, guys. Wow. Break. I'll be right before we go. How about we break some news on the show? You want to do that? Sure. Awesome. All right. Breaking news. AEW signed a contract with HBO max. Oh, okay. Wow. So it looks like we're going to be getting pay-per-views on Max. Let's go, man. That's exciting. Wow. Uh, I guess we'll we'll touch on that the next time we come on. I know we're cutting it short, and I don't know how far you live from your job. So I want to let you go. Right but here. I'm yeah. right here. All right. <laughs> All right. So I just want to let you go, and thank you so much for joining. You're welcome on any time. You know, I'll, if you ever want to join me and my co-host, Tyler, on this show, you're more than welcome to jump in, and we could do like a big triple threat. That would be nice. You know, since you mentioned Shane Douglas, I figured I had to throw in that triple threat thing in there, you know. Um, you know, Tyler could play the Sonny of, uh, of, of uh, minding you, Shane Douglas, and Chris Candido. So we'll do that. But um, thank you so much for joining us, man. And I look forward to I'm sure we'll talk more on TikTok. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. It's been an awesome time. Everybody, enjoy your day. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. <laughs>